Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you food lovers. You've tuned in to Food and Wine with me, Chef Jamie Gwen. And if you have a passion for food, if you love to cook or just love to eat, then I like to say we should definitely be friends. You're in the right place if food is your fetish because I am supplying the tools, sharing my best recipes, wine wisdom, travel tips for foodies, and delicious conversation every Sunday. So if you want to share your passion for food, well, then stay tuned. I hope that you'll visit chefjamie.com for lots of holiday inspiration because Thanksgiving is just two and a half weeks away. Where did the year go? I'm always loading your plate with ideas and recipes and tips that are easy to make and I believe hard not to love. So on the website, you'll find lots of tasty recipes that call for loads of fresh seasonal ingredients, but I like to sneak in some primo prepared stuff every once in a while to make things fast and easy. And it's my goal to spice up your life every Sunday right here on the radio with food conversation that fits your life. I'm all about feeding your soul. So seeing that Thanksgiving is quickly approaching, the great big feast, it's one of my favorite holidays, I have to say. I think I love more than Even the big meal, the leftover Thanksgiving sandwich the next day. And I've begun posting my 2014 holiday recipes highlighting Thanksgiving on the website at chefjamie.com. You can always find me, by the way, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. But it seemed only timely that we talked turkey. Yes. You may think that buying a Thanksgiving turkey is as simple as glancing through your neighborhood supermarket for the biggest butterball. And while that is certainly an option, there are so many extraordinary opportunities for a beautiful, brilliant bird. In past years, we've seen really extraordinary turkeys come to market, in fact. So I wanted to give you all of your options for selecting the best turkey for your Thanksgiving dinner, seeing that it has been uh, almost 300 years of growth and, I will say, progress in raising the perfect turkey. So before you buy your Thanksgiving turkey this year, here is my best review so that you can better understand what you are or you aren't paying for. Now, as I'm sure you've noticed over the past few years, the traditional turkeys that are sold in supermarkets today are made of primarily white meat. Over the years, the turkeys have been bred and unfortunately injected with antibiotics to develop faster and contain more of the light meat that many Americans have come to love. Now, I am a heritage turkey fan because very rapidly over the past few years, this has become a popular alternative to the chemically altered turkey that often fills some stores' shelves. Now, the term heritage incorporates a variety of turkey breeds, and these breeds are traced back hundreds of years, and they're raised rather closely to wild turkeys, or as closely as possible. So a heritage bird is free of chemicals and antibiotics. They appear and taste different from the modern store-bought turkey, and they 
almost always have a white meat to dark meat ratio that is closer to 50-50. That's what I love. I love choices. And I will say you have lots of choices when it comes to turkeys at the market. Now, you will find that the heritage turkeys cost much more. And I believe for the single biggest, most important, and most delicious feast of the year, it is worth the investment. So check out your local supermarket, Look for a local butcher shop, even search online and see if you can find a heritage turkey that is in your price range because I guarantee you will get scrumptious results. Now, if you aren't buying a heritage bird, which by the way, always comes fresh, I do recommend that you look for at least at minimum a fresh turkey, one that has never been frozen below a specific temperature and you need to ask specifically. Now, if you do choose a frozen bird or that's all you can get in your area, I will suggest that my recipe of the week, what I call my weekly dish posted at chefjamie.com is your best way to go for a frozen bird and or a fresh bird. It's all about the dry brine, but I'll get to that in a moment. Now, you can always look for a kosher turkey. Kosher turkeys are raised on grain. They have no chemical stimulant. And what I love is that they actually do the brining for you. I believe that your Thanksgiving bird needs some sort of brine so that you get extra moisture and added flavor. And just like a kosher chicken, the brining process is standard for the essential cleaning of the poultry itself. So a kosher turkey, always a really good selection. And then of course, you can find free range and organic turkeys today. They are definitely the best of the fresh options, uh, second, of course, to the heritage. And you'll find that the birds themselves are raised with specifically designated feed, often without any added chemicals, of course, specifically the organics. And I think that you get a really nice taste and texture when it comes to your Thanksgiving turkey. Now, this is what you will need. Most important, jot this down, make a mental note, note to self, You'll thank me later. You need to print my Thanksgiving planner posted on the website so that you don't have a frenzy of last minute preparations. And it's always just at the first week of Thanksgiving that I post this guide to get you through the holidays. And it tells you everything you need from early November to four days before Thanksgiving, three days, two days, one day. Make the cranberry sauce in advance. Make your croutons for your homemade stuffing two or three days before. Shop for all of your dry goods a week before the holiday. And then, of course, plan to pick up your fresh turkey and defrost the pie dough that you made in advance as well, because you can make brown butter pie dough, lay it into your pie pans, and then stack those pie pans and put them in the freezer well-wrapped, and you'll have a brilliant pie come Thanksgiving with all of the ease and beauty of a holiday that has no last minute craziness. And then everything you need for your Thanksgiving day posted in that Thanksgiving planner as well at chefjamie.com. So please check it out. Now, I've posted a piece under Think Like a Chef. It's my weekly feature, my goal to make you a better cook in your own kitchen. And it has everything you need when it comes to turkey as well. Like maybe you're choosing to deep fry this year, feeling adventurous. Well, I have to say that is the crispiest, most beautifully golden 
turkey you will ever see and you get super juicy, tender meat, you do need to invest in a turkey deep fryer, but for some it's worth it. I've given you all the tips. I've given you everything you need to know temperature-wise, the internal temperature of a turkey when it's done, and everything you need to carve like a pro. So check it out. It's the Think Like a Chef feature at chefjamie.com. And as I mentioned, my weekly dish is something you won't want to miss. It's all about a dry brine, and that's what I'm all about this year. A dry brine inspired by LA Times food editor Russ Parson, who has been perfecting the turkey, the ultimate bird for years. Um, It's my new take on the ultimate Thanksgiving feast. Rather than a wet brine, it's the first time I've tried a dry brine, and I think I've mastered the best recipe for you. A wet brine takes up so much room in the refrigerator, right? You have to put the turkey in the brine, water-based, of course, in a bucket or a pot. But this salt cure, the dry brine, adds moisture and tremendous flavor and crispy skin, but it takes up much less room. The secret is seasoned salt. You season it yourself, in fact. And the process does take a few days, so you must plan to pick up your holiday turkey early to allow for the dry brine process. But I've posted everything you need to know under the weekly dish. You'll also find a few other recipes at chefjamie.com that you will not want to miss this week. A vanilla bean arborio rice pudding, pure sweet vanilla flavor, and I think quintessentially winter food. And then a spiked apple pie punch, which is a perfect party punch for the holidays that I think works well both hot and cold. And it, it tastes just like the season. So check it out. Also, coming up, I am going to share with you next Sunday everything you need to know about cider. I'm sharing wine pairings for your ultimate Thanksgiving feast, and I'm planning for Stuffing 101 to make you a master of Thanksgiving stuffing. So you won't want to miss next Sunday. Definitely set your dial, mark your calendar, turn on your radio, and be here for more delicious conversation. And do stay tuned. I have an exquisite lineup of guests this hour. I love sitting down at the kitchen table with Ina Garten, and I am proud to have her exclusive interview, beloved Food Network host Ina Garten, sharing her newest cookbook called Make It Ahead is coming up next. And then stay tuned because we're saving the season with Kevin West. He has canning tips and tricks and ways to cook with wine and cranberries. And a master brewer, Charlie Papazian, is stopping by teaching us the fundamentals of brewing beer at home. There is a whole hour to make you hungry right now here and in your radio. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen, and I'll be right back. Don't go away. It's delicious, it's divine, it's food and wine, and as I do say, we have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show. Beloved Food Network star Ina Garten is known for her uncomplicated but elegant recipes designed for the home cook whose priority is spending time with friends and family. That's you and me. We are great fans on this radio show, and I am over the moon that Ina is joining us again here in your radio. About to be a nine-time best-selling cookbook author, 
It is Ina's ninth cookbook that's just released, and it's called Make It Ahead. It's a must-have manual for cooking and entertaining stress-free, so I'm in. The book Make It Ahead, hitting bookstores now. She is Ina Garten, and she's here. Welcome back, Ina. I'm so glad to talk with you. So glad to talk to you too, Jamie. Thank How's your you. mom? She's doing great. Thank you for Good. asking. <laughs> okay, your philosophy on entertaining is a fabulous one. I've always known from reading that you have said the more elegant the company coming to your house, the more casual you make the food. And whether it's fancy or sensationally simple, do you always make it ahead? I know it's the question that you get asked the most. How can I make it ahead, right? I do get asked that. And the reason is we're all so busy and we're stressed cooking and and we want to do it as simply as we can. And so not only are the recipes simple, but I, I have tips in every recipe about what you can make ahead. And my goal was that every recipe... Um, it, the only thing you had to do at the last minute, you could fit on a post-it note, like <laughs> roast for three in, at 350 degrees for 20 minutes. That's it. And I think that's so smart when you especially apply it to a Thanksgiving turkey. I, I went page by page through the cookbook, and it's <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. It's quintessential, Ina. turkey? Yeah, that's fabulous. So Thanksgiving is just a couple of weeks away. And if you would, talk us through it, because you say that there are actually benefits to making the turkey or roasting the turkey ahead. No, not to mention that you don't get... Um, when you're slicing the turkey in your party clothes. Right. <laughs> you don't end up with turkey all over you. That's but true. But the benefits, that actually, the way... It, these, these are all recipes that I wanted uh, to be actually not just fine made ahead, but actually better made ahead, and the turkey's a good example of it. So <clears throat> what I found is that if you make the gravy base ahead of time with chicken stock, and then um, after the turkey's roasted, you take the pan drippings and just whisk them in, you end up with absolutely delicious gravy and not no stress over lumps in the gravy. Um, but also what I do is I roast the turkey and then wrap it in foil, let it rest for a little while, and then slice it. And on a big heat-proof, you know, like an oven-proof platter, mm-hmm. I pour a layer of gravy and then the sliced turkey on top of it and cover the whole thing and then put it in the oven for 20 minutes and reheat it. And what happens is the turkey stays really moist because of the gravy. It has lots of flavor because of the gravy. But even better, when you put it out on the buffet, it doesn't get cold. Yeah, that's so smart. And it does take away that last minute, last half hour of crazy holiday stress. I don't know anybody that likes standing there while their friends are hungry and waiting for Thanksgiving dinner that likes to carve the turkey. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I don't either. And then everything else is getting cold or the oven is too full. I mean, there's so many challenges. Exactly. Let's go back in the meal to a starter course, you say that the cauliflower and celery root soup that you make is surprising. And is it for the celery root aspect of it? I love celery root, by the way. Oh, I do too, don't you? Um, what's surprising about it is it has just a drop of cream in it, but it tastes like a cream soup. Oh, there the we cauliflower go. has this extraordinary texture yes. that's wonderful, and it makes it taste creamy, but it's mm. not. I love that soup. What else do you use celery root in? I've always made a, a celery root slaw in place of cabbage. If you shred it thinly, it has that wonderful texture and beautiful sort of mellowy flavor. I love cel- I adore celery root. I make celery root purees. In, in other books, I have a celery root and apple puree. Mm. Um, nice. And actually, I'm just working right now on um, a celery root sweet potato and potato gratin. So it has the, you know, the consistency of a potato gratin, 
but the sweet potatoes add another flavor, and the celery root does too. Oh, it makes fabulous. it much fresher and, and not so starchy. Fabulous. I love the picture of Jeffrey eating the zucchini and goat cheese tart. <laughs> Isn't he a great sport? <laughs> yeah, he is, but he looks so very happy. That is, um, that's a wow dish to me, one that it looks like you, know, you labored, a labor of love, and pulled out all the stops, but you can make it year-round, and it is amazingly easy. Well, actually, that, that recipe comes to me from Maria Sinsky in Napa from Sinsky Vineyards. She's a fabulous chef. Wonderful cook. And it's, oh, I, love, I love her work and, um, and her wines. Yes, me <laughs> and too. It's a, it's a very simple dough, and then you spread goat cheese on it and very thinly su- sliced zucchini, mm. and you just put it in the oven, and it's absolutely delicious and such a wow, and, and it's really quite simple to make. By the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late because Ina Garten is here. Her new cookbook release, the number one New York Times bestselling author, is now available. It's called Make It Ahead. And like you, Ina, I was a a great fan and a loyalist of Zuni Cafe. And your, oh, may she rest in peace, your homage to her, I think, (laughs) is, is a wonderful reinterpretation of her roast chicken with the bread salad underneath and that crispy, crunchy, textural, dichotomy with the chicken and we've posted it at chefjamie.com with a link to barefootcontessa.com but what do you love most about it is it the rusticity of the roast chicken with bread and arugula i love judy's work this is actually a collaboration of mine um judy at zuni cafe and the chef at standard grill in new york Mm. um zuni cafe has um a bread salad with arugula it's so delicious with a, the vinaigrette has um, little currants in it, so it's a great sort of hot, cold um, salad with hot bread um, croutons and hot chicken. But the, <clears throat> the chef at, um, at Standard Grill taught me how to make um, a roast chicken at a very high temperature on a bed of um, bread that becomes the croutons. And um, I season it the way I season it. So it's a real collaboration of, of, thing, um, of three people's work, and it, and it really is an homage to Judy's wonderful um, roast chicken Mm. with bread salad. Her legacy dish, I would call it. (laughs) There's something amazing about the cast iron skillet and how the bread, as you say, gets almost burnt on the bottom. It does get burnt on the bottom. That's such a familiar flavor to us. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) For great cooks and novices alike. Exactly. (laughs) Actually, the first time I went to Zuni Cafe, I got in a taxi and said, please take me to Zuni Cafe. And he said, you are going to have the chicken with the bread salad, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, even in in San Francisco, even the taxi drivers know what to order there. I was just going to say, that's very funny. Um, Leave us with this, please. The holidays are quickly approaching. And you talk about the power of baking in the new book, Make It Ahead. And that's something that I think, um, even for for great cooks, it's often the most apprehension the most tension when it comes to baking to yeah definitely so you know that's why you want to do it ahead relax and and not nervous um you know somebody once said to me that um nobody remembers what you serve for dinner but they always remember dessert (laughs) so i want dessert to be a wow right and actually um i i love like the lemon ginger molasses cake is wonderful Mm. um at the holidays a very simple cake as it sits it gets moisture and the flavors all melt and the surprise is it's topped with whipped cream and crystallized ginger. And the whipped cream has a little 
secret about how to make it ahead. Do you want to share it, or are you going to keep you us on it? Add a little bit of creme fraiche to it. Okay, I'm a creme fraiche lover. I use creme fraiche in place of sour cream wherever I can. So, Isn't it great? oh, it's it's so delicious. It has that beautiful tartness. But mm-hmm. that's how you um, embellish your whipped cream. Well, if you whip the cream and then you add a little um, creme fraiche to it, it really stabilizes it. So it'll, Fabulous. it'll last for an hour or so in the fridge. Genius. That's why you're Ina Garten. Oh. No, it's so true. Uh, it is no doubt the secrets of great success over so many years of the success of Barefoot Contessa and then 15 years of writing award-winning cookbooks. The beloved Food Network star Ina Garten is making meal planning easier than ever. Ina, it was such a pleasure as always. Continued success to you and very happy holiday season to you and Jeffrey. And to you too. Thanks so much, Shane. Thank you, Ina. Nice to talk with you as well. Thank you. There's more delicious conversation in your radio right after this. She's fabulous, isn't she? Don't touch your dial. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. And by the way, Ina might be in your city. Check out barefootcontessa.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. As we welcome winter and say farewell to fall, there are wonderfully delicious ways to save the season. Well, every season for that matter. The author of the cookbook of the same name, Saving the Season, Kevin West, is back. And he's savoring the comfort foods and the condiments and the rich flavors as he eats up the bounty as we enter winter. So get ready to put it up. Kevin is one of my favorite authors. He has tremendous passion as a home canner, a jammer, a preserver, and a pickler. And the last time he was here, he shared his highly sought-after recipe featured on Tasting Table, his raspberry jam with rosé. I was so inspired that I asked him to join us on the radio again to help us cook with the season and to explore his canning and bottling recipes that include our love for wine. You should know that his cook's guide was selected as one of Amazon's best cookbooks. So we're saving the season once again with Kevin West. I'm glad to welcome you back, Kevin. How are you? Jamie, I'm so happy to be back with you. (laughs) So it's November. And we are saying farewell to fall, and we're welcoming winter, and so I would love to know what you're canning now. Well, we know that old man winter is coming down the pike, Mm -hmm. and this time of the year, as the weather gets colder, I feel this tremendous excitement about putting up a big larder full of food uh, to get us through the winter. What I'm seeing in the market right now is still uh, some apples, and of course, there are all kinds of great things you can do with apples, apple butter, apple sauce apple jelly. Mm. I'm also looking for those wonderful, strong flavors that we crave in the fall and winter. And so on the savory side, I'm putting up things like curried cauliflower pickle, uh, pickled celery, sauerkraut, and even whole grain mustard. Homemade mustard is very easy, and it's one of those condiments that you go back to again and again in fall and winter. Love that. Okay, so basics for let's say, uh, grainy mustard at home, mustard seeds, right? A good pungent vinegar. Take us through it. Well, so you soak the seeds overnight um, with some vinegar and some water and some white wine. 
and then you will uh, crush them the next day. Um, I like to crush them in a mortar because I like for that uh, that mustard to be really chunky, really you know sort of thick and grainy. Me but too. you could also puree it if you wanted to. You could mm-hmm. throw, uh, throw it in a blender or even hit it with a um, you know an immersion blender, and then. That's the basis, and then you can flavor it the way that you like. I like to have a little bit of thyme in there. Um, Sometimes I will add uh, some other spices. Sometimes I even will pour in a little bit of smoky tea, and I'm thinking like um, an Irish breakfast tea or um, a lapsang oolong, you know, like this very kind of smoky, dark flavor. And it just adds a little mysterious something to the mustard that's unexpected but delicious with all kinds of savory foods. Oh, I love that. I I love the impression it makes when you put out a homemade condiment like that, especially at the holiday season when there's so much to feast on, when there's something in particular that your heart and soul was poured into, like this beautiful homemade mustard or as a gift of food for the upcoming holiday season. What a wonderful idea to give uh, flavor-infused mustards from my kitchen to yours, let's say. Oh, I love that. You've inspired me. I'm making mustard this week, Kevin. Um, (laughs) And then if you would give us just some general tips for saving the season, because we are trying to cherish fall um, as it goes away. And we're, as you mentioned, you know, savoring the bounty of apples. We're going to start seeing cranberries any second, if we haven't already, uh, in our local supermarkets and farmers markets as we lead up to Thanksgiving. I will repeat my two of my very basic pieces of advice. And one is um, good fruit makes good jam. Yes. And that applies to pickles as well. Good vegetables make good pickles. So get whatever looks best in the farmer's market right now and work on a very small scale. Small batches make everything easier. Mm. So those are, that, those are the basic principles. Beyond that, <clears throat> what I would say is fall is an opportunity to really experiment with a lot of different flavors, with combining different flavors. And if you want to take, for example, cranberries, if you, haven't, um, if you, if you don't have your favorite family recipe for cranberry mm-hmm. uh, relish or cranberry jam already worked out, my suggestion is you start with the basics. Cranberry jam is so simple. It's nothing but cranberries and sugar, and you cook it down. But with that basic palate in place, then you can start throwing in other things. I love to add some pecans. You can add other kinds of nuts. I love to add some citrus zest. I love to throw in there maybe a little bit of booze. I love to throw in there some spices and maybe some very savory spices like a bay leaf as opposed Mm. to the more traditional uh, Christmas time spices. So you really can begin to bring together everything that is available um, in the season, the fruits, the nuts, whatever Mm. grabs your attention. You are always saving this season, aren't you? I know that you shared your chunky cranberry jam with nuts and ginger so that I could share it at chefjamie.com with a direct link to savingtheseason.com, of course, as we prepare for Thanksgiving. So I thank you. I love your addition of the um, either fresh ginger root, which makes it so bitey and pungent and offers, I think, an offset flavor to the sweetness of the sugar we incorporate into tart cranberries, or crystallized ginger, which I put in everything from chocolate chip cookies to my evening tea. I'll drop just a cube of crystallized ginger in my tea, Kevin, which I love. So thank you for sharing the recipe and for touching on cranberries. We're saving the season with Kevin West. Stay tuned. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this.
We're back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, along with Kevin West, the author of Saving the Season. I have to go back because I love when you get a little bit boozy. I really do. (laughs) And, of course, the tasting table feature was a huge hit and a sought-after recipe of yours, I know, bigger than ever. You made a raspberry jam with rosé, which you came on last time on the show to speak about. And there is something very seductive about cooking with wines. And I know you love to use, let's say, booze in your preserves or wine in your barbecue sauce. So, yeah. We would like to learn how to infuse that flavor. And the si- the timing, rather, seems perfectly appropriate. I know, as you said, as we come to the close of fall, we've seen harvest of the grapes. So the, the seasons all collide. That's right. I, I've always loved using uh, wine and other kinds of, of alcohols in my preserves because I think they introduce another set of flavors. And this year I had a, a special opportunity. I was, I was up in Sonoma and I visited a, a winery called Simi. And we got to talking, and we wound up doing a collaboration of uh, some recipes that I developed for them this year using their wines and my preserves. And I think a really great example of that is um, apple jelly, Mm. uh, a product of the fall, infused with Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, Or, for example, back in the summer, it was... uh, raspberries or any of the summer berries really infused with rosé wine. And for me, it's a very natural kind of combination because if you think about wine, what is wine? It's grapes that are picked at their best in the harvest season and they're crushed and that juice is fermented. So you're really saving the season. And it works to me, for me, it works very naturally to take that kind of preserve if you will, a liquid preserve, but it's still it's a kind of preserve, and then to combine it with the homemade preserves that we're making. I love the idea of substituting wine for the basic acid, like making a Pinot Noir vinaigrette. You could substitute for the vinegar, let's say, that you use in your basic dressing. Or when we go to use citrus juice, maybe you use a wine reduction. There's something quintessentially fall and winter to me about the rich, beautiful dark red wines that we all love. And I love that you mentioned too in the recipe that barbecue sauce is for year round because you would rather eat barbecue in the fall when it's not so hot outside or perfectly applied to football tailgating. I think barbecue sauce is for each and every day. So we're sharing the barbecue sauce recipe that Kevin West has written, made with Simi Sonoma County Pinot Noir, once again at chefjamie.com. And you can find out everything you need to know about saving the season in the companion cookbook under the same name, entitled Saving the Season and at savingtheseason.com. Kevin, leave us with this. General rules or tips or chef's tricks for using wine in our cooking. Do you always recommend that we reduce it down, create that syrup, maybe cook out some of the acid and compound the flavors? Is, is that the general rule? Yes, I like that. That's, that's always important. <laughs> yes. But here's my first rule. Make sure the wine is good enough to drink. There we go. Because when I cook with wine, I use a little bit of my cooking, mm. or if I'm preserving with wine, I use a little bit in the preserves, and the rest goes into my glass. So I, I want to ju- make sure that it's good enough to enjoy with dinner. I was just going to say maybe it's too general a tip because it really should be in the glass and good enough to drink. So the book is called Saving the Season. I'd like to call you our preserving expert, Kevin, because you're coming back next month, and I can't wait to talk citrus with you, right? That's right. And Jamie, I would... 
I'm honored by that. Well, thank you thank very much. You. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you. And I'm flattered to talk with you as well. There's more delicious conversation in your radio and another lesson in saving the season with Kevin West next month. So stay tuned. There's more fabulous food right after this. Don't go away. This is an easy way to get your quick fix of culinary entertainment. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. He is arguably the godfather of American home brewing. Charlie Papazian, who has been crafting his own beer since 1970, is the ultimate guru. The author of the million copy best-selling Bible to home brewing and the master level companion, Charlie is the founder of the American Home Brewers Association and the current president of the Brewers Association. He created the Great American Beer Festival and the World Beer Cup, and he still finds time to avidly homebrew lagers and ales and honey meads, and we love that about him. Here to share the fourth edition of The Complete Joy of Home Brewing and the second edition release of The Homebrewer's Companion is brewmaster Charlie Papazian. So beer lovers rejoice because Charlie is here. I welcome you for the first time on the show, Charlie. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> of course. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Okay, so where do we start? If I wanted, let's say, to begin begin brewing at home, what should I know as the novice? The whole idea of making beer at home, if you haven't done it before, may at first seem a bit intimidating and you're wondering, well, can I really do this? Is this all about science? Is it art? Is it easy? Am I going to spend a million dollars trying to get this, <laughs> my home brewing together? Well, what I tell people, the first thing you need to do is relax. Don't worry. And soon you'll be having a homebrew because it is, if you can uh, cook on your stove various dishes, if you can boil water, stir pots, transfer liquids from one place to another, you can make a startling variety of great homebrewed beers and lagers and ales. And I think you get to know your beer better, too. It becomes more than just a refreshing cool drink, beer has its own characteristics that are defined or described in certain ways. So I think wine being so well drank and maybe better understood than beer, if I might say so myself, has a nose or a bouquet and particular aromas that we associate with particular grape varietals, let's say. And then on the palate, as we say, whether it's tannic or acidic or where the wine itself or the flavor varietal perks up your palate, beer has similar descriptors, right? The strength, the aroma, the bitterness, the sweetness, and I'd love for you to define those for us because I'd like to better understand my beer. Well, you're right about this. It's an art and a science, whether you're brewing beer or evaluating beer. And mm -hmm. There's many reasons to evaluate beer, which you, you asked me about. Most people used to think that hops in beer just was about the degree of bitterness, but the craft brewers and home brewers, for example, are taking the art of 
using ingredients and developing creations that were not even on the on the map, huh. or were not even realized ten years ago. Um, what they are doing with ingredients and processes, whether it's barrel aging or what have you, is part of the enjoyment that that professional brewers, craft brewers, are are exploring. But was initiated by craft brewers or home brewers. I'm sorry. Uh, five gallons at a time. That's so interesting to me. I commend you on your tremendous passion, and I thank you for continuing to share all the beauty of home brewing. It is everything the home beer maker needs to know in the newly revised and updated editions of Charlie Papazian's More Than One Million Copies Sold companion books. It's all about the art and science of brewing beer. Look for The Complete Joy of Home Brewing, the fourth edition, and The Home Brewer's Companion, second edition. And we'll raise a glass to you, Charlie. Continued success, and thank you for sharing the beauty of beer. Well, I'll raise a glass to you and all of your listeners. Cheers. So that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I believe that food is life and that you should create and savor yours. And I hope that I've made you hungry enough to lick your radio. I call this a culinary playground, and I hope you'll tune in every Sunday as I look forward to sharing my table with you. Don't forget your guide to recipes, wine pairings, ingredients, exclusive content, and more can be found at chefjamie.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. Don't forget to sign up for my weekly newsletter posted on my website. And you can find podcasts if you happen to miss a Sunday show on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Lots more holiday inspiration to come, but I'll leave you with this. It's what I like to call my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation. So listen here, Nutella lovers. It is your lucky day. Nutella is just yummy, don't you think? It's that chocolate hazelnut spread that you can put on bread or in place of peanut butter or as a dip for cookies. I think it tastes absolutely delicious just eaten straight from the spoon. But the possibilities are endless. And you know that I love simple recipes. Well, it doesn't get any easier than this. My foodie friend, Anita, recently commented on a tofu chocolate mousse that I posted on Facebook. Uh, But this recipe might be even better. It is a two-ingredient mousse recipe, and I think it's brilliant. Now, the key to success here is the Nutella and whipped cream ratio, and I have experimented with different ratios to get the perfect mousse. You want it to be light and airy and smooth in texture, but rich in Nutella flavor. So you're going to beat two cups of whipping cream in your electric mixer until the peaks are soft but not too firm. And then you're going to transfer it to a bowl and you're going to add in Nutella a little bit at a time so you get this soft, supple mousse. Then you're going to put this two-ingredient spectacular mousse into serving glasses and chill them in the fridge for at least a couple of hours to allow the mousse to set up. And then you can garnish the Nutella mousse with chopped roasted hazelnuts or chocolate shavings. And then I say indulge. I think it's the perfect go-to dessert for the busy holiday season and especially for last minute entertaining. And because you never know who might just show up since the holidays are right around the corner. I hope that you'll be here next Sunday and join me once again in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I hope you continue to eat well. Well.